Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. It is Financial Friday. Ben has the day off, but my good friend and acquaintance, John Shipman, is here. Welcome aboard, sir. Morning, Mark. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. If it is Financial Friday, that means we're going to be joined by Bob Garrett, President and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. So, Bob, uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, Good morning, Mark. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here as well. And uh, that also means that Art Thomas is here, chairman of the Chamber of Commerce, president of MECTEC and Diversified Construction. And uh, so we thank him for coming on board. Good morning, sir. Good morning, everybody. As always, it's a pleasure to be here. I really do appreciate this, uh, that you all come in and give us this analysis and always a fascinating discussion. All right, 261,000 new jobs. The good anchor says that's more than we expected. Bob, a quick uh, review and a reaction to that. Well, I was sitting here, and uh, John sitting beside me, and I sort of lipped, uh, synced over to him, hang on, it's going to be a rough day. Um, I'm The market is going to analyze and overanalyze and reanalyze and uh, do everything they can with that piece of uh, data. We were really hoping that uh, this month we would show uh, a significant slowdown in, in job starts. Now, why would the Chamber of Commerce president say, I want less job starts? Well, it's because we're trying trying to get on top of inflation. We know that the Fed's earlier this week, one more uh, 70 basis points, 75 basis points raised. We thought, okay, maybe we're going to start seeing a tamp down, tamp down. Well, by comparison, folks, last month, which was more hotter than we wanted it to be, was 263,000. This month, 261,000. We've got another rate increase coming, and that just that sends the market into uh, into turmoil. Yeah, I think sometimes it's, you really have to have somebody who knows their stuff, like you do, walk you through this. You think, oh wow, business startups, new homes, things like this. Maybe interest or people are still spending like crazy out there. You think, isn't that all good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the word I think I've been using more in the last few months, maybe all year long, is counterintuitive. It's everything is on its head right now. Now, really what we're what we're concerned about from the macro viewpoint is that inflation is going to get baked in yeah. it's been a whole year of high inflation yeah. and uh, you know just like well probably everybody sitting at this table remember remembers gasoline at less a dollar or a little bit less okay well it got baked in at two dollars well what if gasoline gets baked in at four dollars a gallon and that's the yeah. new uh, basement the problem with that is that we can't we just absolutely cannot have wages keep up with this kind of crazy inflation. And that basically means that the average person, the person, uh, you know, the the two-income families are moving backwards, not forwards. And that's not the American dream. Art, some reaction to this, please. The confusion continues. I mean, uh, I'm looking here at the screen and I see participation went down. 
unemployment went up, so I guess a few more people are looking for work, and they probably just haven't found it yet. It probably won't take long. I know a month or so ago, all we talked about was two quarters of shrinkage, and a lot of people steadfast that, hey, that means recession. I think this past week or so, we heard that the third quarter grew. No, no. Haven't heard too much exacerbation about that, but uh, what does that mean? So we got unemployment crewing up a little bit, participation down, jobs are up. Are we happy or not? Uh, it's quite a uh, rare beast, and it's hard to analyze. All right, John. Please. I think that uh, you have to go way back to the 1970s and 80s. Um, and uh, just a comment: when I started driving, gasoline was 19 cents a gallon, <laughs> so you got five gallons for a buck. So uh, anyway, uh, but uh, I got my securities and insurance license in 1970. So I've been through this cycle a number of times. Uh, I was here for 72 to 74. I was here for. Uh, the high inflation of uh, the 1980s. I was for the market crash in 1987 after the bond market collapse. So I've been around for a long time. This looks a lot like like we saw in, in the late 70s, early 80s. And I think Bob's exactly right. Once inflation starts to run, it takes a lot to tamp it down. Um, generally speaking, I think we're going to see interest rates approach or exceed the the inflation rate before inflation really uh, really starts to back off. We're starting to see that at the uh, at the early end, where shipping is slowing down, international shipping is slowing down, the housing market is slowing down. Uh, uh, big banks are warning uh, about uh, you know don't be over exuberant about the market. And Bob and I were talking a little bit. The market's probably in for a rough ride here. Uh, I met with uh, the uh, with a, a pension. Uh, I'm on a board of a pension, and we met yesterday. And our advisors are telling us. We could see another fifteen to twenty percent downside, if it, depending on how hard the Fed has to step on the brake. So, uh, it's not good news. Uh, uh, and I agree with Bob. It would have been better off to see unemployment flat, uh, and and uh, to see uh, some other slow down a little bit. Uh, we hate to say that, but uh, there's still plenty of jobs available, and, and I think people who are have been sitting on the sidelines or are probably coming off the sidelines now. I think that's part of the... But you can come off the sidelines now at $15, $16, $17 an hour at an entry-level job. John, I'll meet you halfway there. I don't. Uh, I don't know that I remember nineteen cent gas uh, per gallon, <laughs> but I do remember nineteen cent hamburgers. There you go. So how's that? Uh, so we're close. Uh, <laughs> right. You have a white white hair. I have white beard. Uh, we're uh, we're close, uh, anyhow. But yeah. So um, you know, uh, we don't want to get into analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis. But this is not where we wanted things to be uh, going into the end of the year. Um, the the real thing you're going to be hearing out of the business community, uh, and uh, not an October surprise, it's a November surprise, is inflation is here to stay. And uh, uh, and that'll be analyzed by a lot of folks between now and Tuesday at 8 p.m. when the polls close. But the business community is going to be working with our elected officials, with the policy uh, setters, if that's a, if that's a term. Uh, we're going to be working with them. To, we've got to do something about getting on top of this inflation. 
inflation problem. Policy makers. Makers, thank you. Art? I'll just uh, quickly add that uh, I don't remember 19-cent hamburgers, <laughs> but I do remember riding in the car with my mother and her often times pulling into the gas station and asking them to give her a dollar's worth, and that took care of us for a while. Um, yeah, I don't know. Inflation, uh, I go to the I go to the grocery store, you know, I go to the economy grocery store quite often to get most of my things and I pick up a few things and it's $40. It's hard to find a hamburger now for less than $10. Of course, I'm exaggerating a little cuz you get fries and a drink with that, but still what you used to get for 6, you get for 10 now and you really see that impact. It's grown quickly over the past 12 months. I remember in probably 19 19- 65, I took, I pushed the mower down to a gas station that was a block away, and Dad had given me 50 cents. I filled up the tank and also had room, lots of money left over for ice cream. Ice cream. Oh, no, ice cream. Yeah, they had the thing called Dipsy Doodles. I don't even know if they sell them anymore. But uh, anyway, okay, so now that we did that aspect of this, uh, Art called attention to it, the participation rate. Used to be just a little asterisk and kind of a conversation starter here on our show, but really, Bob, explain how participation is really the crux of a lot of things happening around here right now. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, um, the, the, I, I guess what, what we always want folks and listeners to understand is the, the unemployment rate is just, just a number. It's one number. On the other side of the unemployment rate is what we call the participation rate. So that's the number of people between the ages of 18 and 64 who are able to work, um, at, who are in the labor force. And uh, that participation rate has been declining now uh, pretty steadily. Well, there was a cavern, uh, of course, uh, during the pandemic, but it's been on a decline probably now since uh, uh, somewhere around 2000, a little bit after that. And um, and what what our point is, is uh, that a, a lot of benefit programs, a lot of the, the way America works, the way our capitalist system works in the United States depends on people paying into a system. And as you have less and less and less people paying into that system, now, yes, they're paying in a little bit more because they're making more, uh, but as you have less and less, the, the system at some point is going to deflect and there's going to be a problem. That And that leads to the, the great trade imbalance or, or the budget imbalance we have, the deficit spending, those kind of things, you know, at some point the credit card has to get paid off and uh, and with less and less people into it. So participation rate is the is the, is the <coughs> echo, if you will, of the unemployment rate. Uh, so uh, the unemployment rate is the number of people who could be working, who are, who are actively looking for work. The participation rate is the, the number of people who could be working who are in the labor force. Right. That's... That- <coughs> bears out what happens when you go to the dry cleaners and Chuck says no one wants to work and you reply well labor participation is only 61% and he kind of looks at you funny but this bears out the nobody right. wants to work. Right. John? I'd just like to <clears throat> remind Bob that his share of the federal debt as of this morning is $93,463 so if you'd like to write us a check, check. why would <laughs> right. 93, 93 per person. So if you're a family of four just multiply that by four. But each person in the United States, their share of the federal debt is $93,463 as of this morning. 
All right. Well, some of our panelists can write my check, so if you feel generous today, this is the opportunity. All right. We are in the middle of our Financial Friday. We're going to pivot a little bit here in a moment. I want to ask about recession and make sure that we have a conversation about uh, are, are these some of the underpinnings of a short or a long recession? So we'll ask about that. Uh, we'll also open up the phone lines, and we got to get to our child care topic. That is the real issue. It is one of the economic development drivers around here is child care. Affordable, high-quality child care is uh, one of the tumblers in the lock to the local economy. How about that? We'll use strange illustrations today if, well I, if I can. We will be right back, but we'll open up the phones. Our show sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, 1-800-795-9565. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Jobless rate up to 3.7%, 261,000 new jobs created, Uh, 62.2% is the labor participation rate, so that is a slight decrease, and that that is going the wrong direction. Now, we did some initial reaction to the jobless numbers. Uh, Let's talk about recession real quick, and then we'll get our child care topic going. Bob, do you get a sense on how significant and lengthy the recession may be? Well, uh, uh, let's not begin with the assumption that we're in recession. Recession is an economic term that has a definition. The definition of recession is two quarters of negative growth. We had two quarters of negative growth, but now we've had a third quarter of positive growth. So uh, I think we can set that conversation aside. That what, what was creating all the debate, if you will, is when you start to mess around with with that de- definitions that creates debate what was creating the debate was that how can we be in recession when the labor force is so strong well I, you know we've all been scratching our heads about this darn labor force and here we are this morning saying geez i wish it wasn't quite this strong uh, so yeah i don't think we're in recession i think the, the real the, the elephant in the room the uh, uh, 800 pound gorilla whatever the express uh, 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 whatever you want to call it is inflation inflation is the big issue right now that that we absolutely have to get on top of. All right. And so we're not in a recession. Are we headed for one next year? with this uh, ongoing inflation? Well, uh, uh, I think Jerome Powell was very clear that a, that a, a economic report, uh, a jobs report today of 200,000 would mean they can start to ease back, pull back a little bit, and a strong report. And, and okay, this isn't, this, isn't, uh, on, this isn't a report on steroids, but it's a lot stronger than we expected, will mean that they'll, they'll need to continue to uh, bump up the, uh, uh, the rate hike. That means 
means the economy will slow because when you think about interest rates, that's mostly you're talking about the manufacturing, you're talking about housing, you're talking about construction. Those are the foundational uh, sectors in our economy. Mike from Bloomsburg wants to weigh in on our conversation. Good morning, Mike. Uh, The panel can hear you. Hey, uh, good morning, man. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I'm hoping the Republicans win, but I'm afraid the Democrats are going to hand them a time bomb. And that time bomb is the uh, growing amount of federal debt, the spending programs, and the giveaways. And I just heard that 30% of our debt is short-term. And with the interest rates being driven up by the Fed, that's just going to even compound matters worse. And to me, I heard you use the phrase, the elephant in the room. The real elephant in the room is is government spending, the growth of government, number of people whose livelihood is tied to bigger government and more spending. And unless we get that under control, we may have a little bump in the road that may get evened out here with this uh, new Congress. But I I just don't see us uh, growing up and taking the steps necessary to be a competitive uh, economic force as the rest of the world much of the rest of the world is embracing free markets. All right, John, your reaction? I, I agree with the, sh- the short term as a financial advisor. I know that advisors are in, uh, recommending short-term treasuries. This week, the three-month treasury yield exceeded the 10-year treasury yield. That's a catastrophe for what's coming down the road. Uh, it could change tomorrow, uh, but this week, the, the two-year has as yield has been higher than the ten year that's what we call an inverted curve since June, hmm. but the three month treasury is now paying a higher rate of interest than a ten year treasury so obviously everybody's <laughs> buying short term treasury <laughs> that's how everybody's nervous well that relates you you pointed off Mike this idea that consumer confidence is going down, and that doesn't always bode well that's one of the keynote things we wanted to talk about today is child care and the best one of the best people in business to talk about this is art Thomas he has a couple of titles that relate to this that really help the state and, and local chamber know what how pivotal child care is. If folks don't realize that not having enough workers and not having enough openings at high-quality, affordable daycare and child care centers isn't an economic driver, please, Art, give our audience some sort of a sense of that, please. Thank you. Uh, Statewide Early Learning Investment Commission was established in 2009 by then-Governor Rendell, and he appointed... 75 business leaders from across the state and the intent was to advocate to the legislation um, regarding uh, increased spending increased public spending for quality early learning and to uh, inform the public of the importance of quality early learning and spending on quality early learning and at that time the initiative was uh, backed by data that showed that uh, the country's youth were falling behind uh, the youth of other countries in the world. And that if we wanted to keep up and be competitive in a global marketplace, we needed to increase 
public spending on quality early learning. And uh, this has become a factor over the last 60 years in our society because we've gone from a one-worker household to two workers, and our society... Uh, has gone to the point where uh, two people need to be working in the home. And if two people are working in the home and and raising a family, the kids need to be taken care of. So the initiative started trying to get business uh, people on board to advocate for increased spending. But in the last couple of years, particularly since COVID hit and people went to remote, there's been a second prong, and that is all of a sudden trying to assist businesses with things they can do to retain and uh, secure employment by providing opportunities to employees, whether they're potential or current, for how they can address their child care needs. Uh, And recently in the past year, the state ELIC came out with a nice brochure and website uh, the, the name of the website escapes me right now. I apologize for that. But uh, there's all kinds of options that businesses can entertain for coming up with subsidizing. You know, I'd say 10 years ago, <laughs> 10 years ago, uh, 12 years ago, businesses were trying to figure out and adopt policies to refrain employees from using their cell phones. Today, businesses provide stipends to their employees for their cell phone use. And uh, stipends for child care might be a benefit that needs to be considered. Uh, businesses can also aggregate together to come up with scholarships and or offsets for uh, membership at child care, dedicating slots at local child care businesses. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of advocating going on, and there's a lot of need because the businesses now are perked up. <laughs> They need help, and they want to retain their employees. And the anchor that this is on the economy, just give us a sense that this is currently, real-time, slowing the local economy. Bob? No question. No question whatsoever about that. I'm going to get into some data here in a minute, but I just want to set a a foundation and let the listeners understand that the Chamber is very clear when it comes to the issue of child care. Uh, We believe that all children, uh, not just the children of the greater Susquehanna Valley, but all children, uh, deserve high-quality developmental experiences beginning at birth. That... uh, that we have studied <clears throat> uh, with uh, Arts Help and uh, United Way's help, et cetera. We have studied this issue, and we uh, and the brain science is absolutely crystal clear that the first few years of a child's life are far more formative when it comes to their future success uh, than we ever thought. So it's very, very, very important that we support without any equivocation whatsoever uh, early childhood uh, learning and investments in early childhood. Now, I want to give you a a piece of data that's interesting uh, going into the pandemic and then coming out of the pandemic. Um, And this is data from the Federal Reserve. We've been talking a lot about the Federal Reserve this morning, but the Federal Reserve Third District. So that's our part of Pennsylvania. It's not not the Pittsburgh area, but our part of Pennsylvania, um, all of the state of Delaware and southern New Jersey. Prior to the pandemic, the, uh, the labor force participation by by families headed by a single mother was 73%. 
after the pandemic, the labor participation rate of mothers, um, of single fam- uh, families headed by, uh, by mothers, was 68%. So that's we drop five percent, and when you talk about all families, so that's families with a mother and a father. Okay, um, uh, that that number dropped from um, from uh, I just want to get this right from seventy nine percent labor participation rate to seventy five percent participation rate. So in a in an area like we have in in our four counties, we have our labor force is about three hundred and fifty thousand people. If that if we can extrapolate that number, that drop of four or five percent, that means there's about fifteen hundred to eight uh, eighteen hundred one thousand five hundred to one thousand eight hundred people that are now on the sidelines, unable able to go in because they cannot find affordable, accessible child care. Guess how many uh, job openings we, we have right now that are not filled? Somewhere between 1,500 and 1,800 in our four-county area. Right there it is. That's So we know this is critically important to the future prosperity of the greater Susquehanna Valley. It's that crystal clear, and it's why we're so clear about uh, about investments in early childhood education. All right, well, when we come back, when we come back after the top of the hour, you can stay, I hope. <laughs> you can't uh, illuminate the light bulb and then leave the room, so you got to <laughs> stick around. Uh, we're going to continue to talk with our panel about this. We'll do another 10 minutes. Does your schedule permit that? Uh, I, I, know, I know you're involved in the front office uh, ownership chain, so maybe you'll give yourself an extra 10 minutes here, so we appreciate that. I'm pointing to uh, Art Thomas, chairman of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce, president of MECTEC and Diversified Construction and a member of the Ernie Learning Investment Commission. And so he speaks about things about which he also he knows and also works to make sure that these things get brought up and talked about in Harrisburg. Bob Garrett is president and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. And John Shipman is with us. He's been a family man, very wired-in businessman in our area, active volunteer and eager individual, also a family man, so he can tell you about uh, how uh, these issues relate to and still work in offices where child care is a conversation element for the staff who is there. So he is uh, with us. And um, Rob Sanders, our producer, and I'm Mark Lawrence. And we're going to take a quick break. I want to remind folks that our conversations on On the Mark are always sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Uh, we will, While we have our child care conversation in the 9 a.m. hour, the toll-free line will be open. 1-800-795-9565. You can email a comment that relates to our child care and our economic development and the solution portion that's coming up at on the market wkok.com and text us at 70236 include the keyword otm you are listening to news radio 1070 wkok sunbury wkok news time it is 9 a.m time for cbs news we'll be back in six minutes from right now News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. 
Now, here's your host for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence. All right, we're going to get right back into our discussion. I introduced our panel a moment ago, but I'll reiterate. Bob Garrett is here, president of the chamber. Our Thomas is chairman, highly informed businessman locally on the child care topic that we're talking about. John Shipman is here, family man, but very informed business person uh, locally and very active in a number of civic and nonprofit boards. Let's... Go around the table. Let's identify some solutions. If we're going to talk solutions, where are we going to be? We'll start with Bob. Well, uh, before I get to the solution, uh, just one more to help understand the problem. And the, uh, and that is that the, the fact is, again, in that um, Federal Reserve District. So this I'm not necessarily talking about my backyard here in Snyder or Union County, but in that district, one in six child care professionals dropped out of the profession during the pandemic and have not returned. That means that a lot of child care centers are short-staffed or quite honestly have closed. Now, I don't, I can't say, oh, look at all the ones that have closed in, in the greater Susquehanna Valley because I don't know that uh, here. But I know that there hasn't been a lot of openings. Uh, well, there's of waiting open- lists everywhere. And, and long waiting lists and uh, those kind of things. So uh, imagine being an employer right now. You hire somebody and, and they say, okay, well, I've got to find child care uh, for my children. And they say, well, how long will that take? Well, uh, right now I'm on a waiting list, but they tell me it'll be about six to eight months. It's like, what? I needed you next week, not six to eight months. So it's it's a heavy lift. We were talking during the break that there's there there isn't just one solution. There is no mandated child care solution, um, and we're not. I'm not here today to suggest that because, frankly, that's I I don't completely understand the issue to come up with a solution. But you know, uh, something that's going to happen next Tuesday is we're going to set the course for a new governor of Pennsylvania, and let's hope that governor is open to conversations with businesses, with child care uh, providers and others, to maybe we can find a solution uh, that's long-term. Do the school districts have a role in this? Do the churches have a role in this? Let's bring everybody to the table and have a conversation. That's what I'm hoping for. Go out and try to recognize what's at stake. Somebody used the phrase universal pre-K. Is that something that would be mandated and funded by the government? Or when we're having that conversation, what are we really talking about? Well, the point that I made while we were offline was um, we're constantly, as the Early Learning Committee, advocating for increased public spending for quality early learning, and that will never end until uh, universal pre-K is put in place in addition to the public school system. Uh, Don't get me wrong, you know, I'm on the fence as to whether or not we should have universal pre-K, but my point is we'll never have enough money to support the needs of that until uh, universal pre-K would be put in place. We've got professionals that are trying to provide quality child care that are baccalaureate degree qualified and they're making $10, $11 an hour. So as soon as there's an opportunity in a public school system, they will vacate their position and take the salary and benefits that come with it there. It's a real challenge to try and keep these facilities staffed, and we have lost quite a few facilities since the pandemic, and as a result, a lot of parents have gone home and are working remotely uh, and have not gone back. Uh, Some child care people have lost their facilities. They have nowhere for their children to be taken care of. They've been able to work remotely so they're trying to hang on to their remote positions, and some people lose that or lose their job all whatsoever and, and stay at home with their kids until they're able to go to school. John? 
Well, I have been picking uh, Art and uh, Bob's brain here during the break because uh, my youngest child is 49 years old next week. So uh, I have no experience with child care for a long time. So I've appreciated their viewpoint because it's something that I'm really not up on, and I've learned a lot. Well, but you do watch your great-grandchildren from time to time. I watch my great-grandson two days a week, and he's a joy. <laughs> yeah, there's, your, there, there's good work if you can get it. But earlier this morning, we talked about government spending not being ideal uh, because it contributes to inflation. But at the same time, we see that more government spending on universal pre-K, which if folks have trouble envisioning that, think of public school quality level buildings, faculty, staff, and individuals that goes all the way to birth. Okay, so that goes all the way down. So uh, the public schools, Sealands Grove schools, start at birth and go up to 12th grade, something like that. Okay, so that's almost what we're talking about. Can we fight inflation and spend more and more on child care? Panel? panel? Well, I doubt it. Bob? Well, you know, uh, it's been uh, eight long years uh, since I uh, was in the uh, uh, rarefied era of Harrisburg uh, making policy and spending money. But, uh, you know, I spent nearly two decades at PennDOT. Now, this isn't child care uh, that I don't think PennDOT's investing in child care. Maybe they are. Um, it's been a, I've been gone for eight years. But what I used to say at PennDOT, we had a $6.4 billion budget. And when people would come to see me, I'd say, I've got plenty of money. I've got more money more money than I would ever be able to spend. I just have too many priorities. Our role at the chamber is to, to, is to set the table, bring the folks in, and help government to understand where their priorities are. We know now, we didn't know this a decade ago, we know now how important high-quality child care is to the development, to the brain development of children. If you want somebody to be a success when they're 25 or 35 or 49, uh, you you have to start early, and and every child deserves that that kind of investment. And we just want to help them with understanding. That's that's where we believe the priority needs to be. If you've got ten things to spend money on, put early learning investments pretty high on the list because that's where you're going to get the return for the investment. A month from now, we're going to focus on solutions. When you come back for the next Financial Friday, Art won't be here as the chair. I can't imagine us having a real child care conversation without you. You have an open mic anytime to participate in these great conversations as a business person, former chair, and uh, early learning investment commission member. So we appreciate that. Thank you for Thank being you. here. In a month from now, we're going we're to just start running with solutions when we do this uh, conversation. Beautiful. You have to stick around. Your torture has not yet ended, Bob. My, my uh, pleasure. Biggest events on the chamber's schedule coming up. The, the big, big event that we're really focused on is our Innovation Summit. That's coming up on December 8th. We'll be at SunTech. And what we want to do is we want to spend a lot of time just pointing out to the participants and then hopefully getting onto the media all of the different innovative things that the businesses in the greater Susquehanna Valley are doing. Everything from using drones to fight fires to uh, to, to new ways of processing credit card payments. Uh, it, we, we have, it'll just be a, a, literally a bank of innovation that day. That's December 8th at SunTech. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you in a month. Stay in touch. Beautiful. I'm going to have you guys quietly stand up and exit. I'm not going to take a break, but thank you so much, Art. You did a superlative job every single Friday you were here. Amy Buner coming in next. We know her as a great uh, Bowen Agency realtor, so she'll bring that perspective to our table next time. So thank you, man. Thank you so much for coming in. We are going to pivot. Uh, We have a man who is running for office on the line, Ryan Mock. I want to get you on the line at the appointed time, which is a 9.15. So good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in this morning. Hi, good morning, Mark. How are you? How's your day going so far? <laughs> well, we're, we're having about three Fridays rolled into one here, but that's okay. That's that's my fate. Thank you. All right, so you are running 107th District, a Democrat on the ballot, and that's uh, Kurt Mosser's seat, if folks aren't familiar with that. It's shifted a little bit. They pulled out some of his greatest uh, friends up in Montour County and uh, shifted a little bit more down this way and into Schuylkill County. Uh, so why run for office uh, for that particular seat, uh, tell us about your candidacy. And you're from Cole Township, so you're right in the upper portion of the district. I am. Well, my name is Ryan Mock, and like you said, I am from Cole Township. I live there with my wonderful wife, Christina, and our dog, Luna. And we are uh, avid members of the community. Uh, currently, I serve as an insurance agent and a part-time educator. And my candidacy actually started out as a write-in campaign, back in July, and I believe my first interview was actually with you on uh, WKOK Sunrise. So I am running uh, to give our district a choice, and I feel that no party should run unopposed, and I feel that someone should always step up, and this time I decided to step up. And I want to make sure that we give our citizens a voice in Harrisburg. Uh, And like I said, I first started this out as a write-in candidate, I try to make myself available to the constituents and try to go meet people where they are to hear what they have to say and to hear what they want from their representative. And then I am also running to lower the political temperature and to try to normalize politics in Harrisburg. I feel that there's way too much rhetoric on both sides of the aisle, and I really want to go to Harrisburg to build bridges and mend fences rather than burn them. And even as a Democrat, I do plan to actually reach across the aisle and try to work with the Republicans if they're willing to work with me. Well, you'd almost have to. You wouldn't be able to accomplish too much without them. They'll stay in the majority <laughs> unless we have some major upsets uh, in in next week's election. Uh, top priority, is it that uh, return to civility and being more of a moderate uh, in a, in what can be a divided town? Is that the top priority with inflation so high? State House members don't really get to do too much that relates to uh, inflation, but uh, sort of what's the top issue in your mind? Well, there are a lot of different issues in this district, and it doesn't just fit just one thing. So people out in Good Spring, they're worried about environmental regulations and their effect on their day-to-day lives with clean air, water, and uh, soil. Uh, Foster Township, worried about lack of access to broadband Internet. Shimokin is worried about inflation. Uh, and Mount Carmel is worried about women's right to health care. But, yes, I am focused on trying to bring back civility into politics and just I am a moderate when it comes to, and what what I like to say is I am socially liberal, but I am fiscally conservative. So I try to make sure that we all the money that we are spending needs to be accounted for and targeted correctly, and you can't just throw money at the problem and expect it to fix itself. 
Well, unless you're Governor Rendell, you when you went to Har- if you got to Harrisburg, you cannot spend willy nilly and borrow excessive amounts of money from the future. So, you have to have a balanced budget in Harrisburg. Uh, Second Amendment gun laws. Uh, sometimes those issues pop up in Harrisburg. What's your view on that topic? Well. I do agree with the right to bear arms as written in the Second Amendment. However, there are certain measures that we could take to protect our citizens. Currently, as it stands, there are no red flag laws in Pennsylvania, and I think we need those to give law enforcement, family members, school administrators, teachers, mental health professionals the ability to step in and prevent violence before it occurs. So we need to make sure that these people are able to take away these guns from people who are in domestic violence situations and self-harm and suicide situations. And then also, we need mandatory reporting of lost or stolen firearms, uh, and that requires gun owners to report the loss or theft of a firearm within three days of discovering the firearm is gone. And that reduces community violence by giving the police an essential tracking tool to help them disrupt the flow of illegal guns into communities that are most susceptible to violence. So the Second Amendment will always be here, and I do believe in it, but we still need to help make our citizens safe. Um, if I recall that, and I remember we talked about that. Um, and uh, so we do have that in place, and if you have a gun that's stolen, you are responsible to report that. Um, and uh, uh, so I agree with those. Um, the problem with red flag laws is that it takes away the person's right to a hearing. Uh, I disagree with that. Um, if uh, if someone files a complaint and takes it to a judge, the judge can give the authority to take the person's firearms first and then have a hearing later. And uh, uh, that usually and many times uh, ends up with a person having to, a long battle to get their firearms back if, in fact, they are found to be uh, uh a false accusation. So I, uh, uh, there's some mixed emotions on that side. Okay. I do, I do agree with you there. But then maybe instead of having the false the hearing later, maybe that hearing should happen before the guns are taken away, rather than after. I agree with that. All right, yeah. uh, abortion. Uh, there is not a, uh, or I'm sorry, there is a significant uh, pro-life movement underway in Harrisburg already with referenda, and uh, of course, many of the Republican legislators say they're ready to enact laws to strengthen Pennsylvania's anti-abortion elements. Your view on that topic? Well, I am aware of the referendum that the Republicans are trying to put forth. Uh, but for me, I feel that there really is no room for a politician in the exam room between the doctor and their, and their patient. I really don't think that the government should be in the business of legislating such personal and private decisions. And people don't realize that if you ban abortion in this state, it doesn't just affect women. It affects the medication doctors can prescribe. So maybe the medications such as methotrexate, are used in cases of medical abortion, but it's also used to treat patients with rheumatoid arthritis arthritis, and cancer patients. So if we ban abortion, doctors are less likely to prescribe those sort of drugs, and I want to make sure that our doctors have the full slate of medications in their arsenal to treat our patients. And then also, 
it affects medical students as well because if our state bans abortion and let's say New York, New Jersey, they don't, medical students will go to those states for their residency and they'll stay in those states because they have the access to learn about this life-saving procedure in the case of ectopic pregnancies and the life of the mother. And if that is banned, they're not coming back to the state. And we want to make sure that we have the best and brightest minds taking care of our patients in this state. All right. Uh, you have an open mic uh, to make any remark you'd like to to our audience. Anything else you'd like to add? Well, I really put in the work to meet as many people as I can, and I think that's what a representative should do. We should be going out to the people and making sure that they are heard. And I've been going out to parades and canvassing and phone banking and sending out postcards and doing interviews. And every Wednesday at the Democratic office in Sunbury, I have lunch with the candidate where people come and talk to me. And I think that is really important. And I think accountability in Harrisburg is important. Too often politicians go to Harrisburg and then you never hear from them again. That is not going to be me. I want to be accountable to my constituents and to show that I want to have a town hall every month in a different township or borough while I'm elected. And I want to make sure people, you know, get to know me, and if I'm not doing a good job, they can tell me that, and I will make sure that I listen. Where can I get more information about your candidacy and uh, other topics? Sure. I am on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash mock, M-O-C-K, 107-107-T-H, and then you can also email me at M-O-C-K- 107th at gmail.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in today. Good to hear from you. Good luck next week. Stay in touch, and uh, thank you for checking in today. Hey, thank you for your time. You have a great day, gentlemen. Thank you. That is Ryan Mock, Democratic candidate for 107th District State House. Member is the other person on the ballot, the Republican Joanne Stair of Higgins, who was on our show last Friday at 9.15 for about nine minutes. So we got both individuals the opportunity to express their views on our show. We're going to flip to open phones. We'll take a break. Uh, We'll open up the lines, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at on the mark at wkok.com and you can text us at 70236 include the keyword OTM in your text there's something to be said about a sale with a handshake a service technician who really knows what he's doing he can explain it in English what the problem is there's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area that's Sunbury Motors where you get selection knowledgeable salespeople and prices that fit your budget and more important that friend you can trust Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full, new, and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf.
All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. I'm going to do a couple of uh, news headlines here, but we would invite you to call us. We talked about child care. Uh, some of the solutions discussed do not endorse. I didn't hear any endorsement of additional no, federal either. spending, but uh, they uh, that they did say that government often thinks that uh, throwing money on a project c- can really help it, and uh, we'll talk in a moment about how that doesn't always help. But what's your view on that? We're going to bring this p- same panel back for solutions in one month from now. And, John, I hope your schedule's open that day. You'd be a great participant in that conversation. So we'll get you back here. And uh, the chamber will be back by then. Amy Buner will be sitting uh, in the chair's uh, spot at our table. But uh, it certainly would be a good idea to include art in a child care-related conversation. Maybe he can call in like some of our good experts did over the past couple years while he was here. All right. So uh, what's your view on this topic? Is there a solution you want to talk about? Uh, We talk about government spending. That is always uh, promoting inflation, so we know that jobless numbers are out. So we saw the jobless rate go up very slightly, but a quarter million jobs so supposedly created. So that doesn't uh, bode well for interest rates to stay at their current level. So uh, what's your view on these topics? one 800 Headlines. State police have arrested a man in Montour County who they say had it set a house on fire and then threatened police. 59-year-old John Young of Danville charged with a attempted homicide, aggravated arson, and resisting arrest. Governor Tom Wolf signed a flurry of bills yesterday. He signed 66 bills and vetoed one. The one he signs includes a series of tax credits for the Pennsylvania Economic Development for Growing Economy program that would help Pennsylvania be a site for hydrogen energy hubs, would help Pennsylvania draw down some federal subsidies. Also signed a bill that would legalize fentanyl testing strips for individuals to use, allow driverless testing and the use of autonomous vehicles. Earlier I said at Carnegie Mellon, but it's pit. I was corrected by Bob Garrett who says, no, he's been out there, and he says it's not Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon is robotics, and pit is driverless vehicles, and they're they're a global hotspot out there for the research in those areas. Uh, divesting holdings in Russian and Belarusian companies also is part of the pension uh, element that he signed. Uh, Switchblades would be legal. They're, pr- they're certainly widespread now. Not ones that have the button on the side, but the button's on the back. But it's the same thing as the law said that switchblades weren't legal. You've seen these. You flip the little button and the blade comes out. It's like, well, wait a minute. That's a switchblade. So they changed the law to hit the market uh, more accurately. Uh, let's see. Pennsylvania Turnpike would have more uh, ability to go after unpaid tolls. Uh, it didn't say anything about restricting the ridiculous borrowing that the Turnpike Commission is doing, but that's another topic. He did veto one bill that would have added passenger cars and vans to the definition of farm vehicles. Uh, he said that creates safety concerns if you have uninspected vehicles uh, shuttling individuals around uh, in uh, agriculture settings. So picture those vans that you see full of individuals uninspected. And the governor says that law is not ready, but he encouraged the legislature to come back with a more workable bill that has some uh, something that he would sign. Of course, that won't happen in time. The legislative session is over. All right, let's go back to our child care conversation. Every time somebody said spending government, you cringe. You literally cringe. That's not the where we're going where we where we really have to head here. Well, you know, government subsidies uh, generally are, are, and I, our former guest will 
have a heart attack when I say this. We shouldn't be subsidizing business. Uh, you know, uh, why do we give Amazon $25 million to build a new building in our, in our territory? You know, Amazon can afford to build that $25 million building. Why are they asking the taxpayers? And you look at a lot of economic development and so forth, and it's about government giveaways of money, uh, which which county, which which area is going to give my company the most money to build, to, to go there. And so um, it, 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 all it does is take away tax revenue or add to deficits. Uh, Elsewhere. And, and so, uh, you know, companies should stand on their own two feet. Child care is a different story. You know, um, I have kids and grandkids and a great-grandson. Uh, it is imperative, and I agree with Art and Bob, uh, we need to do something to help. But another government program, in my estimation, is not the answer. Government programs always run amok. So, Maybe we could maybe we could encourage businesses to give their employees a stipend if they have uh, you know minor children. Uh, certainly needs to be addressed. There certainly can should be some creative ways that we can help families. I really believe that part of the participation rate is the fact that you have single mothers, especially, but even two family uh, that can't find affordable. Childcare, uh, you know, if you're making fifteen or eighteen dollars an hour, and you've got to pay four hundred or five hundred or six hundred or twelve hundred dollars a week for your children's childcare, you you just can't afford that. All right. So, a, a business person would say, my stipend that I give to my employees so they can help pay for childcare. A business person would say that's a write-off. What does that mean exactly? Well, they they can deduct it from their federal and state income tax as a cost of doing business, and I wouldn't recommend they give it to the parent. I rec- would recommend that they have a voucher system or whatever, where the that the money that the employer spends goes directly to the daycare center. That the child, I'm sorry, childcare. We can't. We, we're not supposed to. Arts in transit, so I think they're safe anymore. But uh, uh, to childcare, the, so that uh, the employer can write that off, but. Mom, mom doesn't get it, so she can go out and and buy herself a new dress or something. You know, okay. it's there specifically for childcare. All right, we got one call coming in, and another one waiting. Cindy's going to be the last call before a quick break. Cindy, go right ahead. We're talking about childcare, government uh, uh, assistance, business assistance, and the economic drag because of a lack of workers and a lack of affordable, high quality daycare. Well, I'm sorry that the gentleman from the chamber of left. Because I sent you this email. This just in this p- legislative package, the governor gave a two billion dollar, two billion dollar state tax credits, basically cuts to business. They also, in the past year, gave a one half, one half of the amount cut to the uh, business taxes in this in this Commonwealth. One half. Two years ago, they eliminated, totally eliminated another business tax cut. I didn't hear the chamber speaking out against any of these things. In fact, I'm pretty sure they were leading the parade. So then why do they come forward and say, oh, but the government needs to be spending more money. We need to spend more money on something when they have been the, you know, the uh, cheerleaders of eliminating all these tax dollars. 
Where do they expect this to come from then? Cindy, just to clarify, I didn't actually hear them endorse any additional government spending. Art was trying to say that that has been part of the conversation. He, in fact, I either off mic or on mic, he said he doesn't support it. Well, if you expect the local school districts to, to provide high quality, as they like to call it, child care, where does that come from? It comes from tax dollars. If you want to promote the preschool counts program, which pays state dollars into private programs as well as public programs, where does that money come from? It comes from tax dollars. So every effort that any organization does to eliminate tax dollars is costing all these programs an opportunity. And maybe you didn't hear him utter those exact words, but that's what I heard. Uh, not specifically those words, but if we need to spend more money on these things, what is that we? Well, and I think if you, uh, one of the things that uh, Bob talked about is this idea of bringing absolutely positively everybody to the table. The Cindy's of the world who are very budget conscious and are great citizens who really watch the ebb and flow of government and understand it. The business people who say, well, I hear about a call for universal pre-K, but I do not want the federal or state government handling this. You know, there must be some other way. You get the chambers and individual business people uh, at the table. You know, like the Johns of the world or the, uh, you know, arts or wearing his business hat saying, okay, well, this is what I can offer. This is how it's hurting me or helping me. And uh, but to to have more conversation about it to to get some uh, resolution. Cindy, we'll give you the last word. Great points all. And I'm going to forward your email to them when they reply. Uh, We'll read the reply on the air and I'll forward their reply to you as well. When I worked as a nurse, I had an employer who reimbursed me a small amount for the child care that I had to pay for to go to work. The truth is that for many people who are responsible for children, the cost of child care makes going to work almost of no value at all. By the time you take all the state and federal and local taxes out of my paycheck, and then I spend the money to provide child care and drive myself to and from work, I ask myself, what am I doing? (laughs) What am I doing for eight hours a day, exhausting myself meeting this business's demands of me, not meeting my children's demands, meeting the government's demands of me, not caring for my children, and now I come home and try to be there for my kids. That's one of the things that made me stop working outside the home. Affordable, high-quality child care. We're exactly talking no, that Cindy. wouldn't do it. I don't want someone else caring for right. my children. Do I had them. They're my responsibility. I should be caring for them. And no one loves them like you do. That's exactly right. <laughs> but I know, exactly I know right. some parents Thank were child care. I know some parents were child care is the best thing that ever happened to the kids. Parental gout, you know, there's no, you know, no there kids. are some exceptions to every rule, but right. it, mo- most instances, no one loves that child like its own parent. All right, one 800 You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com. Text us at 70236. We will be right back. Right, welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. 1-800-795-9565. Stan has waited patiently for this opportunity to talk on the radio. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Good morning. Uh, as far as child care, for the majority of people out there, two-family home, I mean, two, two-parent homes, I should say, not two-family homes, two-parent homes, only one parent would have to work if the government wouldn't 
would stop taking so much of the money out of their paycheck. It didn't used to be that, you know, both parents had to work. One parent could stay at home and do what was needed with the kids, and the other one would make the living, correct? That's correct. But uh, each family had one car. Um, each family had uh, a uh, relatively modest home with uh, $100 a month uh, mortgage payments. And uh, medical care was, uh, you went to the doctors and it was like five bucks. And so uh, that was a different time in a different world. Uh, my my parents had that world. Um, it was changing when I was raising kids, and it's even worse now. But you are correct. If if the government didn't hammer people so hard with taxes, why we we could uh, more 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 women could stay home, or more dads could stay home. And that is quite possible even today's because when my kids were growing up, and that's only been ten fifteen years ago before they started school, my wife stayed home. She didn't go to work. I took care of that. Things were tight. I understand that. But we didn't put the kids in in child care because that is not cost effective. When you're spending just as much on child care as a person would, or, or you know, half to three quarters of what a person would make working, why, why waste the time? You're just, you know, passing your money along to somebody else to take care of your kids. You may as well do it yourself. Yeah, we hear families say one kid, you know, if you have one child, then you can afford child care, and you may get a little bit ahead depending upon how much and how many hours, you know, one of the caregivers is working. But uh, once you get to two, it, it it's a zero-sum game, as they say. You might as well stay home. All right, anything else, Stan, to add to that to line of thought? Not, not to that one, because it is what it is, and people, I understand the single single parent problem. That's that's a problem for single parents. All right. But, you know, parent homes, it shouldn't be a problem. All right, and but how bad have Democrats been lately? What was that? How bad have Democrats been lately? Let's change topics here. How bad have Democrats been lately? Well, they're always bad, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> now, I, I, I want to read you something, Mark, and then I want a response to the question I have for you. Here's what I'm going to read to you. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble and petition the government for redress of grievances. We all know what that is, correct? That would be the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. Now, when the government, our government through the DHS, right now, there's a court case going through because the big tech's been sued, the government is big government is colluding with big tech platforms, the social media platforms, to remove things that they deem disinformation, misinformation, and blah blah blah. That is a violation of people's First Amendment rights. Now I know you say that it's a private company. It stops being a private company and not a, and a violation of the Constitution when the government is pressuring them and colluding with them to remove people's speech. Now, define the collusion. What does that entail? They are having the big tech platforms remove things that they deem as misinformation. Okay, the government. The government is saying what people put on is misinformation. The government has no right to determine that. 
the government had a portal directly to Facebook and, and uh, I believe it was Twitter, so that they could communicate directly to the censors at those, at those two companies and request that certain items, certain people uh, be uh, uh, either uh, taken off the platform or moved down. I, forget, I don't know how it all works, but move right. them down so that nobody yeah, fewer saw people them. see it. Yes, so that they were, their posts were so obscure that nobody saw them. And uh, so, yes, you have government directly involved with private enterprise uh, to to censor certain speech, and that's unconstitutional. And when did this now, happen? Now, Last it's, two it's years. gotten worse under Biden, but it did start back under 2016, 2018, because, and through DHS and the law, because supposedly it was supposed to stop foreign interference in elections. So they were supposed to be going after foreign disinformation. Now they've <laughs> broadened that to all to disinformation. everybody in this country. Okay? Anything time that a person puts something out there that the government disagrees with, whether it's 100% true or not, and the government disagrees with it, they want it removed so that people can't make up their own mind. Okay. The COVID stuff was the biggest example of that. All right. Now, are there not websites where uh, these things can be shared, this alleged misinformation? <laughs> that's, 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 you're missing the point, Mark. Yes, there is, but that's not the point. The government shouldn't be involved in any of it. Right. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying, is there an opportunity for free speech elsewhere is one question. And secondly, uh, my, I guess my question for you is, how active is this uh, censorship, this portal? How often is it being used? Tell me about uh, its use in, in exactly. practical use. I don't know. There, there, there's a lawsuit going through in the, in the, right now. The I think it was the, yeah, the Attorney General of uh, Missouri, Schmidt, is suing them, and there's some other states involved with it. They're suing big tech and, and the government, basically, because they have information and, and the evidence that they were colluding with each other. Gotcha. Now, the exact numbers, I don't know. That's 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 going to come out in the lawsuit, and it's coming out. There was an article in uh, the, uh, the Spectator. Oh, crap. I can't remember what it is now. Uh, it ain't the dispatch. Anyways. Uh, I'd have okay. to look it up. But, yeah, there was an article about it, because there's documents come from the DHS, and it's being handled mostly through the DHS. Now, it was originally set up, there was a law written, and, and Trump signed it, but it was geared towards stopping misinformation from foreign entities, people right. trying to interfere with the elections, foreign governments. All okay, right. that's what it started as. But now, our fine president down there has expanded it, and his crew has expanded it to American citizens, okay, in direct violation of the Constitution. All right. It's a shame and, we've had to wait. it's going to come out and they'll lose. All right. It's a shame we have to wait another two years to get a real president in there. But, Stan, I think we do. And maybe whomever gets elected <laughs> will, will fix that. So we'll go from there. <laughs> Thank you. It wasn't, it wasn't you. It was only meant to be half funny, not hilarious. But anyway, all right, thank you, Stan. You don't think we're getting a good president next time. All right, well, that's always possible. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It depends on how bad the Democrats want to cheat, but that's a whole other story. So you have a great day. All right, all right? see you, buddy. Thank Bye. you. All right, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to take the rest of our calls for the whole shebanging week when we return. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. 
That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Friday. Friday. Is it Friday already? If you ever wonder if Rob Center's paying attention, there's the proof right there. Put that great Friday uh, bumper uh, glimpse in there. So we appreciate that, saying it is Friday. Bobby, you are the most patient caller of the day. Thank you for waiting. Very much appreciated. Are you well? Yes. Hey, you know, good morning to my neighbor, John. Good morning, Mark. And good morning, good morning everyone Bob. at WKOK audience and that. Uh, one of the... the um, uh, okay, like concerning daycare. Now, I worked up in the Scranton area for a while, and I think it was through the foster uh, foster parents program that was called a mother's program where the, uh, uh, I'm going to say the teenage mother or, or whatever at, at that time could continue going to school. Maybe it was through the Scranton School District or, or it was a co-op program. And, you know, they weren't there all day, but at least that was an option uh, this way, the mothers could be there with their children and also, um, you know, get their education at the same time. And so maybe something like that could be looked into. Yep. I think that's why they really talk about this idea of a big round table with all of the stakeholders involved. You know, what would work, what wouldn't work, uh, get uh, folks like the YMCA involved. They have a three-star daycare in Sunbury. Not enough workers. Subsequently, a waiting list. Uh, the wages that they pay aren't are no longer that competitive in today's world. Yeah, I, I think, Bob, the, the, that's the key. Yeah, uh, get get enough people, get the chamber, get people in the daycare business, uh, get uh, uh, business together and say, okay, what can we do to, to give good, reliable, uh, and effective uh, child care? Uh, I, I think that's good. Yes. All right. All right thank, thank you, you so very much. much. Good thank talking you. to you, yep. Bob. Thank you. All right. Last caller of the week. Al, you're on the mark. Go right ahead. Oh, I don't know how I do that, but uh, to answer one of your questions, when you get some of this information that's supposed to put, come over the news and it comes over your phone, if you don't get it quick enough, a lot of times I went back to get a Biden story and it was gone, you know, and information about different conspiracy theories I called. Like when he went to see the Pope, uh, why he went in in a blue suit and came out in a gray suit or whatever. And there's a lot of crazy stories, but somebody's taken them down. I mean, they come out for a little bit, and then there they are, and then they're gone. So that is wrong, in my opinion. That's what's going on. So you're asking what happens, and I don't know what happens. All I know is you get some of these different stories, like when the election was going on, uh, about Hunter Biden. You get a story, and pretty soon, if you didn't read it quick enough, it was gone. And you couldn't find it again. <laughs> so I guess that's what you're saying, the moving down or the canceling, which everything should be up there. Everything should be viewed. 
everything and if they're going to the government office we know what's going on it's a deep state well that's a waste of government money right. if they're monitoring that kind of stuff well you know free speech is free speech um and just because uh, somebody says something that I don't like doesn't change their right to say it. Now, I think that threats and, and obscenities, there's certain things that probably should... Well, the latest, the latest one that was kind of obscene is you get underwear reports on Pelosi's husband. And you think, why is he in his underwear yelling for Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> I mean, this is what you get. And well, yeah, Where did that, that story come that, from? This, this guy's pretty much a wacko. Uh, he's been on both sides of the political spectrum. Um, well, there's guys like that around here, John. You know it. He's, he's, I don't know if they pay the police $10,000 ahead of time or whatever, but I've seen accidents that the police don't let you go look at. All right, we got you in out. The, in this area. So Thank you, sir. State. Thank you, Who sir. You know? Thank you for calling in. Bye. Much appreciated. All right, i got to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. Do as I do on a regular basis. Go to sunburymotors.com, even though I'm driving a perfectly decent car or truck that they gave me. And the next one that I wish to drive around, I want to drive that Lightning. They have a white Lightning down there. It is just crazy. I'd love to drive it, too. I I, I should probably go down. Just curiosity. I hate to do that because I probably wouldn't buy it, so I, I, I hate to ask them to t- let me test drive it and then not buy it, but, but uh, yeah, I'd love so, to drive one. Yeah, so that one is down there. They say it's 0 to 60 in like 8 seconds. With There's a motor on each wheel. Crazy. Okay. So that's there, but guess what they also have? Uh, they have a Kia Rio with the Kia dealership. Uh, they have got a brand new Ford Explorer that has the sport package, so it means the sunroof goes all the way to the back, and it is probably super fast as well. Sunbury Motor company, Ford, Hyundais, and Kias, premier service provider as well for all makes of cars and trucks. The quick lane is open uh, Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 6.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's what the Sunbury Motor Company has done since 1915, just super serving their constituents. So Sunbury Motors, sunburymotors.com. Talked about a lot today. Any additional reflections on... Uh, no, I think it was a great day. We, we touched on a lot of subjects. Uh, great uh, update from the chamber. And uh, we listened to uh, a candidate uh, give his reasons why he should be elected and uh, some good uh, custom, uh, 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 call-ins. Uh, it was a good day. And, and it's always a pleasure to be with you, Mark. It's an, always enjoyable to spend an hour and a half and on your show. Well, thank you. And uh, likewise, you. And the Veterans Day is coming up, so I want to thank the staff sergeant in the room for his service. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. In the U.S. Army. We've also learned today that maybe government isn't the answer. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> Ronald Reagan is in his grave. Said, I told you. <laughs> uh, de- er, uh, check that. Stan says, theintercept.com, the place about homeland security and censorship. So check that out. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Rob. This is WKOK Sunbury.